Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. very much, Mr. Announcer Man, and welcome indeed. It is the TalkZone.com, soon to be famous, if not already famous, two guys at a mic show. First week of NFL football was in the books. Actually, not completely, because we got two Monday night games tonight, but uh, certainly the majority of the NFL teams playing yesterday. Game one, a lot of upsets, a lot of exciting finishes, a lot of fine performances, some rookie quarterbacks that uh, ran the gamut from very, very good to not so good here in Chicago. Bear fans riding a uh, elevator ride at the top of the Hancock right now. Excitement level 9.8 and a scale of 10. Big Bears victory Thursday. We don't even get a whole week to celebrate this victory. We're back to work. Back at it Thursday taking on the Green Bay Packers. We'll do an NFL round them up, wrap them up today. Other stuff. Other stuff to talk about also, David Oles. Bruce Springsteen at Wrigley Field. Teacher strike here in Chicago. Baseball races in a big White Sox Detroit series. So it's not all football today. We'll have to play a little bit of music and we will attempt to get as much in as we possibly can in the next 54 minutes. Very excited about doing our very first NFL Roundup up and wrap up a regular segment we do here on the show. Or hopefully the big dog will be checking in. And in a, well, we try to keep it in two minutes. Sometimes it extends out to about three minutes. But we do a quick, highlighted, spirited roundup and wrap up of the NFL football game. Some of the highlights, some of the exciting finishes. We will do that for sure. We'll talk Bears in depth. Bears fans out there, you want to call in. Uh, phone lines are open. A lot of excitement right now, a few little hints of negativity, but for the most part, everybody very pleased with the game yesterday. 888-463-6748, that is your conduit, or in my case, your conduit, to scintillating <laughs> Chicago Bear football conversation today. 888 the phone number. i got to put a note in real quick, David, about the Cubs. Only the Cubs can do this is, you know, the Cubs are out of it, so the team I'm rooting for, the Pittsburgh Pirates, I mean, they haven't been in a pennant race in like 25 years. Haven't finished over 520 years. Only the Cubs could pull out of the doldrums and sweep, which normally I'd be excited about this time of year, and, of course, they do it against the one team I'm now rooting for, the Pittsburgh Pirates. Thank you very much, Chicago Cubs. And Alfonso Soriano, by the way, now that we're not in contention, ever since the first 34 games of the season, I think he's leading the league in home runs. We've seen that act before, too. But at any rate, uh, and we got a big White Sox-Detroit series at home. At home. Not one game. Not two, not three, not four. Monday, Tuesday, Monday, 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 Tuesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And Thursday concludes with Justin Verlander taking on Chris Sale. So baseball going to be very hot here in the city of Chicago. Hopefully get a lot of fans show up. It'll be interesting on Thursday. You'll have the Bear-Packer game going on the same time as the Final game of the Detroit Tigers White Sox. Now the Tigers are there, but they're they're struggling too. They got swept over the weekend. 
White Sox lose two out of three to Kansas City. So we'll talk a little bit of baseball, but clearly first and foremost today, NFL football will sneak in. A little bit of college football too, but um, the Bears win 41, what was the final, 41-21? Kind of the last five minutes of the game, I kind of uh, lost my concentration. But um, <laughs> you still, you almost forget the first series. But you have to go back to the tragedy humor. That was the first series. Yes, it wasn't the first series. It was the first three series. Well, it it, it was it was it roughly yeah. was the first five minutes but, of the game, <laughs> and you could hear the screams oh. going on across the entire Chicago land. I area. wanted to be on the Twitter sphere at that point. You could the oh my tw- Twitter God. world must have been going crazy, but it it was it was almost comical. In my earlier days, that probably would have would have gotten a lot better. Now that I'm more mature, I'm still. Into the Bears, but in my waiting years, I have to admit, I don't take it quite as serious as I used to. But I know, you know, from age 20 or age 15 to 35, I'd be throwing things at the TV. I'd be yelling, screaming. I mean, I took it a lot more serious than I am now, so I could feel the pain. But, you know, you have the, uh, you know, the four or five months of offseason. You got the big buildup coming of the year. All the talk about the offensive line and the passing game. Is this the year for the Bears? How good are we? All the talk, all the walk, the preseason, the mini camps, the Facebook pages, the Twitter conversation, all the newspaper articles, all the previews, the radio preview shows, the television preview, all the buildup. Unbelievable buildup. <laughs> and then the first series. It was incredible. I watched it with my, uh, with my son David, who is a big Bears fan. It went, I, I, let's see if I can recap the very first series. First play. First play. With all the questions on the offensive line. First play, quarterback sack. <laughs> I mean, was it Robert Mathias or Mathis comes in and sacks? Sacks Jay Cutler right at the second play. Second play. Penalty. Offsides. Number 72. Gabe Carini with an offsides penalty. So at this point, it's almost comical. Third play. Roberto Garzo, our center. Bad snap. Cutler barely fumbles it, does a good job to give it away, and then we have to kick it away. And then was it the second or third series when the interception came, David? Second series. Cutler throws a little swing pass to the outside, does not recognize an opposing jersey en route. Quick seven points. Disaster strikes. Unbelievable. It was so bad it was good. But it was, uh, in particular, even the interception, I think, takes a backseat to the very fact. You can just picture all the Bear fans all huddled in. Ah, it could be a great season. You know, let's hope our offensive line holds up. Sack, <laughs> offsides, and a bad snap. I mean, you couldn't have written. You couldn't have written a worse script than that, of course, the interception. But after that, it was all good. It was all good. Again, Bear fans, you want to check in, love to hear from you. 888 463 48 Right after that, the Bears' offensive line got better. Not going to say they're all pro, but they gave Jay Cutler time. And uh, for once, I've been waiting a long, long time, but for once, the Bears appear to have a legitimate, maybe even more than legitimate, downfield passing game. Just like a real NFL offense. You know what? Hit me too is, I know Mike Martz is gone now after what was he three years, and Mike Tice is running the show now. But I was thinking about this driving in, the offense we that we watched yesterday, 
That's what Mike Martz wanted the Bear offense to be. Now, new system? I mean, the obvious answer is you brought a stud guy in like Brandon Marshall, and his presence, his impact was was pretty clear pretty early. And not just early, the impact was uh, Brandon Marshall was felt throughout the game. But really, the way they played yesterday, that that was the St. Louis Rams of 19-whenever when they won the Super Bowl. Was that the 2000? That was what Mike Martz wanted the Jay Cutler offense to be. Go figure. And again, I don't know where you know who the credit belongs to. Is it uh, Jay Cutler? Is it Phil Emery for bringing Brandon Marshall in, or is it uh, you know Mike Tice? And we got a little bit of a different offensive setup. But the Bears were. Absolutely dynamic on offense, throwing the football down the field, Brandon Marshall. It was really exactly like we thought it could be in our best imagination. You had the number one receiver, Brandon Marshall, as your primary threat, making the big catches, but in fact, he made everybody else better. Devin Hester, a weapon. Earl Bennett, a weapon. Now they're weapons. Now they don't have to be the star players anymore. You don't have to go Peter Principle with these guys that elevate them to the point where they're not that good. Now they're complementary players. As complementary players, they're damn good. And then you throw in the rookie. All Sean Jeffrey. All that. And we didn't even get to see my favorite player, Dane Sonsenbacher. And the running game. Everybody's talking about the passing. Oh, Brandon Marshall. Oh, Jake Cutler throwing the ball. Matt Forte, ladies and gentlemen. Matt Forte was outstanding. He was excellent. He was pure. He was pure. Running back pure. Some of those runs, the 8-yarders, the 12-yarders, the 15-yarders. I mean, he danced around people. Watch his feet. You don't even have to watch the top half of the body. Watch the feet of a Matt Forte when he was running. Made people miss. He skipped. He bounced. He danced. He was a pure running back. It was O.J. Simpson. That's what O.J. Simpson used to do. Those old folks out there used to remember O.J. Simpson. He was not the fastest. He was fast. He wasn't the fastest. Sorry, Matt Forte, if I'm comparing you to O.J. Simpson, strictly in a football sense. He had some power, O.J. Simpson, but was not the most powerful running back. He had some cutback moves, but he wasn't Barry Sanders-esque in his flashy cutback move. But Matt Forte yesterday was running like Orenthiel James Simpson. And I, and I say that in an ultimate complimentary mode. Because beyond what happened to O.J. later in his career, he was still one of the uh, top five running backs I ever saw play. Matt Forte was outstanding. And David Olson, you mentioned it, the guy behind him, Michael Bush. Very good. First couple of runs, I'm like, hey, but then after that, I love the comment you made, too. He is doing, and again, it's one game, so we can't put too much into one game, but he's doing exactly what the Bears thought they were going to get from Chester Taylor. And I would argue on Chester Taylor's behalf that Mike March really never gave him the opportunity to do that. Partially. Partially. But that looks like a solid one-two combination right there. So it's not just all pass, pass, pass. The running game was very good, too. So offensively, one game into it, we'll see as we take on the Green Bay Packer, who certainly have a better defense, although you watched, uh, some people watched a lot of it. I watched... Barely any of it, just a little bit of it. But the Green Bay Packer defense against the San Francisco 49ers yesterday had some moments of flash and dash. But overall, eh, not so good. 49ers plowed through it at times. So we'll see how good the Packer defense is. But uh, big win for the Bears. Big win. 
21 over the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, again, out there, you have some thoughts on any of your NFL teams, uh, certainly in the Chicago Bears here in the city of Chicago. We'll talk a little NFL football today coming up in a little bit. We'll do the NFL round them up, wrap them up. But uh, phone lines are open if you want to check in, 888-463-6748, Do you also, what do you think about the rookie, Andrew Luck? <clears throat> I thought he looked good. I thought I thought he looked good. I thought he was very poised for a rookie and everything yep. like that. And you can and you can see why they decided to part ways with Peyton Manning for this kid. Oh well, <laughs> some people might argue with that because Peyton Manning apparently with the Denver Broncos pretty good in game one. But I agree with you. I thought Andrew Luck and I know he well, the Bears had what three picks, and you could tell it was a different game for Andrew Luck. You know the speed of the game, the closing speed of the defensive backs, the. Uh, the pass rush coming in on him a little bit faster than he's used to, but I agree, David. Poise. He he just looks like a pro quarterback. Throws the football well. He could have been helped a couple of times by his receivers, but uh, overall, you know, I think it'll go down as a little bit of a rough opening first game. And some of the best quarterbacks ever have had rough opening first games. Have had rough opening first. Seasons, but I thought overall Andrew looked, he looked like a pro. He did not look like a rookie. Very poised, very composed out there. Kid's going to be good. I don't know how good, but there, there are some players that you can look out there and say that are bust free. <laughs> Andrew Luck, you know, 99%, I'll leave that 1% out there, 99%, he's bust free. He's going to be a good one. As long as he's throwing to Pierre Garçon. Or no, not Pierre Garcon. Pierre Garcon made the touchdown catch. Robert Griffin the third. That's who I'm thinking. How about rookie quarter? Rough day for rookie quarterbacks. Luck threw three interceptions. Brandon Whedon for the Cleveland Browns, I think, got picked off four times. A little bit of rough outing for him. Ryan Tannehill for the ship that is sinking that is the Miami Dolphins. Threw three interceptions. So uh, not unexpectedly a rough day for the rookies. Robert Griffin. RG3, you know, the exhibition season, he was up and down and all around. Some good, some not so good. Some questions were starting to come out there. He was all good. All good in the opening game. 300 and some odd yards, no interceptions. And he threw the beautiful touchdown pass to Pierre and got a song. But uh, Robert Griffin III, ooh, awfully good. Awfully good. Redskins coming up, knocking off the New Orleans Saints. We'll talk about that in the NFL round up, wrap them up, but that was a big win for them. Big win for them. Other players for the uh, Chicago Bears. Tim Jennings, number 26. I have long been a proponent of Tim Jennings. I think Big Dog backs me up for the most part on this. We are two of the only ones. Everybody talks about Charles Tillman. I'm a big Charles Tillman fan, too. And then they always say, well, you know, even last year and the year before, we got questions at the other cornerback spot. You know, we got to draft someone over there. Ever since the Bears picked up Tim Jennings, kid is tough. Good cover guy. Like 5'8", five, 5'9", five, maybe. Maybe in a good day, but you watch him tackle, he hits. He can tackle. He can come up, plays very aggressive. And yesterday he showed he can cover some of the top quarterbacks. The height is a disadvantage, but my goodness. Can he get up in the air? Some serious vertical hops on a Timmy Jennings. And he had a great game. Now, the, the, the best play he made... Admittedly, he got beat a little bit, and a better throw from Andrew Luck 
and he might have looked worse. But that was just underthrown, and the interception was one of the best I've seen in a long time. I mean, uh, you know, A, unbelievable timing on the jump. B, unbelievable verticalism. Is that a word, David, verticalism? I don't think it is, but I like it. Unbelievable verticalism he got up. And then number three, unbelievable hand-eye coordination to hang on to the football and the strength of the fingertip. I mean, that was a sensational interception. He had two for the day, but the one on the right sideline was particularly outstanding. So Timmy Jennings definitely um, definitely goes down as one of the top players. And I'll tell you what, the guy who replaced uh, Charles Tillman, Kelvin Hayden, Chicago High School football product, by the way, on behalf of all the Chicago high school football teams out there, I think the IHSA here in Chicago, folks, if you're out of town, the uh, public school teachers have gone on strike. Apparently a 16% pay increase over four years for a cash-strapped public school system. Not enough for the teachers. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm siding with the um, administrators here. It's got nothing to do with salary. It has got nothing to do with salary. Um, you're it, right it, in the fact it, it, it doesn't because I've got two family members that yeah. are out on the picket lines right now. Yeah. I, 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 the only part I'll disagree with you, I agree with you, it's not the primary. It's overrated. It's not the primary part. I wouldn't say it has nothing. But the, the salary is not the sticking point. That's yeah. not why they're on It's strike. about teacher evaluations. It's about rehiring teachers that have been uh, released or could be released down the road. They're going to close. They're going to close up to 100 schools. Yeah. So what happens? Want to make, they, what happen, yeah, exactly. What happens to these teachers yeah. that are going to be let go? And they just want to make sure that these teachers have a chance to get back into the system instead of saying, okay, yeah, you don't have a job anymore, and then bring in a whole slew of new teachers. Mm-hmm. And what is the argument that the Chicago uh, Public School Administration is saying? No, we want to be able to hire whoever we want? Exactly, yeah, and from what I understand. Seems like that could be, without being on the inner circles of it, that could be worked out. I mean, I could make the statement that, uh, yeah, we'll give first shot. I'm not going to guarantee. Now, if they're asking for a guarantee that the teachers who are released are going to be hired ahead of anybody else, I can't do that. Because my job is to make sure we hire the best people to teach and work with our kids. That's the approach I would take. But, yes, they will be interviewed first. And we will make every attempt. Now, they're going to want something in writing, but, uh, you know, so, so say they'll be given first opportunity. But if the teachers are asking for a guarantee, then, again, I'll side with the administration. That's the sticking – that's one of the sticking points. It's There's something to do with benefits, which I'm unclear on. And then the other thing that you mentioned is the teacher evaluations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Health benefits, which, I, from what I understand – because of a change now, the teachers are going to have to pay more for their health benefits. So that's affecting where they, that's why they want a little bit more salary increase to make up for the health increase. Right, right. Which is just, which is just, uh, it, it, it's just a matter of life now. Whatever job you have, everybody's have to ask to kick in a little bit more. But um, they've had major, major hikes in the amounts they've had to pay over the last couple of years, mm-hmm. and that's why that's become a sticking point again because. They, they jacked them up. I mean, and I'm not talking like small things. I'm talking like, you know, 40, 50% increases in what they needed to pay already. Well, then then the administration needs to take that into, into effect when they're talking salary. If it's real money, 
that they are having to pay now, that should count almost as, you know, that you, you need to consider that into how much salary they're getting. No question. Right. Now, where I will side with you is everybody says they're really close on these items and everything like that. I think it would have been a matter of good faith on the teacher to, to say, yeah, okay, well, we'll give it another seven days before we walk out. Yep. Instead of doing the hard line thing. Yep. Yep. Well, the reason we brought it up is hopefully the IHSA will rule for the athletic teams. They're trying to make an exemption. Normally, the rule is if you're not in school, teachers on strike, kids can't practice. Teachers obviously cannot be with the kids, but the IHSA is looking for some exception. or The Chicago Public Schools are looking for an exception to that, and I would hope that the IHSA gives that. Keep those kids in the athletic program. Let them now. Would the teachers be allowed to coach them then? I mean, no. So who would coach them? How can, you can't play in a game if you don't have an adult coaching. I don't think the games will take place. Huh. But there's got to be a, a provision for that. If they're applying to the IHSA to keep the sports programs going, I'm sure the, they have to have some provision for who's going to be running the teams. Have to figure that out. But we brought it yeah. up anyhow because Kelvin Hayden. Kelvin Hayden, the kid uh, who is our now our third defensive back, he might be our second. We'll see how bad the injury is to Peanut Tillman. But uh, he stepped in, number 24, played a heck of a game. He hits. A little bit bigger than Timmy Jennings, but he hits. He came up a couple times, really. Smacked some people. Some good hard hits coming from net number 24. Good pickup. Good pickup. We remember him, of course, from the uh, Super Bowl. Right? When he had a big interception to kill the Bears. Touchdown return, I think. Chicago kid coming back to put a dagger in the sides of the uh, Chicago Bear fans in Super Bowl 2005, I believe it was. All right. 888-463-6748. We got an NFL roundup up, wrap up. We'll bring up some college football big wins for Northwestern. A, a complete laying of an egg by our University of Illinois Champagne team out at Arizona State. Beat the Schmoles football picks. We'll go over how we did on those and also uh, talk a little bit of baseball and uh, Bruce Springsteen at Wrigley Field. Anybody that was out there at the concert, love to hear your review. I got a couple of glowing reviews from people that went to it. Good as ever. Good as ever. One female said he's as hot as ever, even though he's 60 years old. I couldn't necessarily comment on that, but... He looks fantastic for he, his age. I mean, he, he really does. There it is. 60 years. He's like Mick Jagger, keeping in good shape. <laughs> you don't like that comparison, uh, huh? Mick Jagger never was a handsome man. Well, he's thin okay. as a rail now. I mean. But he kept, you know, he kept in good shape, at least, Mick. <laughs> or not. 888-463-6748, the phone number. We'll take a quick break. Play a little bit of music, hoping to be joined here by the big dog. If not, though, phone lines are open. Want to hear from you guys out there. Triple eight four six three six seven four eight NFL round them up and wrap them up right around the corner.
Welcome back. Two guys in a mic show. TalkZone.com. The coach flying solo right now. Hopefully going to be joined by the big dog, Joel Redwanski, in not too bit of, uh, long a bit of time. Our producer on the other side of the glass, producer extraordinaire, David Olson, helping us out with the music and uh, also keeping track of the Beat the Schmoes results from Friday's show. And uh, I was all excited. I thought I came in Beat the Schmoes, if you're unfamiliar with our semi-dysfunctional sports show here every Friday. Every Friday we have uh, people, including the host, pick three football games. And other shows play Beat the Pros. We here at the Two Guys at a Mic show play Beat the Schmoes. And, again, it's not called Tie the Schmoes. It's called Beat the Schmoes. But um, I came in feeling pretty good after an 0-3 week. I thought I had uh, finished 2-1. and My lock of the week, Iowa over Iowa State, I thought for sure. Iowa Hawkeyes, quality Big Ten team, ready to make the next move up. Kirk Ferentz, the head coach, coming off a comeback win against Northern. At home, they're going to pace Iowa State. I was betting dimes to dollars, lock of the week. They lose 9-6. to six. But I did come back picking against one of my favorite teams, the University of Illinois. They got spanked. And I thought I had won the Savannah State game because the final score was 55 to nothing. But I was told by David Olson that according to Rule 3, Section 2, Provision 5, Article 4, gesticular uh, triangulation number one, that if a game is del- uh, canceled, not delayed, but canceled, because of weather conditions, all bets are off? No, no, no. It, 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 they, they have to play at least 55 minutes in order for the game to count, and they didn't. So yeah. arbitrarily, you throw in 55 minutes. It's not arbitrarily. That's just the rule. That's what they pick. All right. Well, so at any yeah, rate... I finished one and one. Let me welcome in my good partner, checking in via the telecommunicative phone line, the big dog, Joel Radwanski. How are you, dog? Uh, I'm not doing too well because oh, believe it or not, like just had to wake me up and be like, "Why are you not doing your radio program?" And I was like, "Because <laughs> this is not good, guys. I need to be woke up earlier. I have a television program to be on at noon." Oh boy, I am not happy about this. And I didn't shave. I didn't do anything. This is not good. Were you celebrating a big Chicago Bear victory last night? Yes. <laughs> and I tear down with a bunch of bear. So it wasn't bear down for you. It was tear down. Chicago Bear. Drink every bear like it's the last one you'll ever drink yeah. today. You know, that's exactly how it went. By the way, do you have any idea how you did on Beat the Smoes? I have no idea. I'm sure I went 0-3, didn't I? I don't know. I didn't mark it down. Uh, I wasn't here. Refresh my memory on your games, and I can look it up for you. Jeff. We have to figure out. By the way, while he's looking that up, David Olson, big dog. Uh huh. Another, another three and zero week against the spread, folks. Against the spread, he's six and zero early on. Unbelievable performance. Oh, that's right. Because the the Vikings were three and a half point favorites, yep. weren't they? Yep. He got the hook. He took advantage of the hook. Took Atlanta plus three. Matt Ryan was on fire. They beat KC. Took Denver. Gave up a point and a half. I mean, he you you coasted outside of the one game. The other two, you coasted. It's amazing. David Olson, another couple games like that, Big Dell. We may have to. And I, uh, and I did, and I did offer prognostication on those other two games. I did, they went down exactly how they said they were going to go down. I don't this know, Big Dell. We might have the wrong people hosting this show. We, we we need to have him. We need to start charging for his picks. Is what we need to do. <laughs> that would Joel, help a um, lot. I got your first two games here. You had Miami 
plus seven. The Dolphins or college? No, 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 college. Good. Uh, <laughs> which I think that was a win, wasn't it? Couldn't tell you. Yeah. Have to look that up. I, I have no idea, guys. I, I was extremely busy this weekend. I got to watch <laughs> nothing. All right, uh, Texas A&M. I'm pretty sure that was a loss. No, yeah, they they lost to Florida. Okay. So. Uh, do you remember what your third game was? I have no idea. All right, All right. We'll, we'll, well, we'll have to check the tape. So. We'll research it out. Not a problem. Not a problem. More importantly, Big Dog, the, the uh, fans out there have heard some of my thoughts on our Chicago Bears, uh, your reactions, your thoughts, your tribulations. Um, I was, I was going to have to say is uh, I am not kidding you. I saw people jump. I was at East Bank watching the first half of the Chicago Bear game because uh, I was supposed to do a tour at 10, and they were like, no, we don't need you. I'm like, oh, thank you. You call me in for a special tour, now you don't need me. The Chicago Bears are playing football right now. <laughs> but I was able to get to the East Bay Club in time to watch the start of the game. And I was like, why did I get here so fast? Because we've seen a sack, a penalty, a missed snap, a punt, and then an interception return for a touchdown. And that was the first four plays of the game. So, yep. uh, everybody that was a Chicago Bears fan was ready to jump off the bridge. <laughs> and I was one of them. Okay. <laughs> We talked and, about okay. that in the open, you know, and, and I mentioned, you know, you got all the build up, four or five months off, right? All the build up of the mini camps to talk about the Bears, and then the last month, you know, the articles, the Facebook, the Twitter pages, the blogs, the media report, newspaper, all this build up on Chicago Bear football. Are we going to be good this year? Questions on the offensive line, and then we all sit down to watch the opening of the season. <laughs> It was it was park tragedy. I I had to laugh a little bit, but it was so bad. Yeah. It was funny. The very first play, sack. Second play, penalty. Seventy-two. Karini. Third play, bad snap, and then the second series enters. It was you couldn't have written a worse script for the bear. And but you know what? No, the the best script that you could have written. It says that uh, they start out horrible and then they bounce back. Yep. And then they play better. Yep. I know there's that, that that really does make show you that they might be made out of something when they can play that poorly early and then turn it around and end up being good at it. Yep. It was so bad it was good. But when they turned it around, Big Dog, and, and I think you're on the same wavelength as me, I've been waiting, you know, I don't know how much of an exaggeration to say, 35 years, maybe my whole life, for the Bears to actually have a professional passing game and fling the ball down the field with fluidity to different people. Yes. It was a beautiful thing. And it, it really is. And it's, all I wanted to be able to do is fake to a running back, have the linebackers actually have to go to the running back and then have a quarterback throw a freaking rocket pass 20 yards down the field over the head of the linebacker. That, isn't that what everybody else does in the NFL? And the yes. Bears have never had an offense to do that yep. in 30 years. It, 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 was a, it really is good to see, Coach. I mean, this is a team that could score. I know it's the Colts, so let's not go crazy. But it's a team that can put 30 points up on anybody. And how good could this defense be if they're the actual ones that are leading at the end of the game instead of trailing? Yep. So that would be awesome. Yeah. You know, we made the comment how Brandon, by, by picking up Brandon Marshall, it takes the pressure off of Bennett, of Hester, of the tight ends, and in an effect makes them better. And this thought just occurred to me. The same thing psychologically happens to the defense. Now that we've got such a great offense, the defense doesn't have to, you know, previous year's defense, the Bears' defense had to win games. 
had to make stops consistent. I think they're going to play better now, even though they're not a great defense. I think they'll play better because they can play a little looser, knowing that our offense is so dynamic. Yeah, because like before it was like uh, you can't give up any yards because you give too many yards, you give up points, and the offense can't score. And you have to get a turnover yep. just so the offense can score. And now it's like, hey, the offense is going to score. Let's get turnovers to win games. Forget getting turnovers for the offensive score. If, think about if, the, if this defense gets five turnovers in games, like it did yesterday, they will continue to beat every NFL team by 20 points. And I'm, I'm promising this after watching Andrew Luck and, and the scheme of that coordinator who I think has a good scheme with the team they have there. They're not going to, they're going to win at least six games this year. And I know that's not a lot. And I'm not saying they're a good team, but they're not a one in fifteen team. No, the Colts this year yep. definitely not. Yep, and that defense at times for Indy looked pretty good. And Andrew Luck, me and David were talking about earlier in the show. He, you know, you could it was his first game, and you could tell the speed of the game was a little bit different than he was used to. And he, you know, it'll go down as a little bit of a rough first game, but even so, he still looked like a pro, very poised, very composed. Uh, he is. You know, he's going to be, at the very worst, he's going to be a good NFL quarterback with the potential of being great. Yeah, yeah, there's there's no question about that whatsoever. It was a good first week to be a Chicago Bears fan, as I'm saying. And, and I know, like, like I said, the first four plays were embarrassing, but it says a lot more for a team to bounce back from that. Mm-hmm. When you're that bad and then you bounce back. And, and I think we've already seen the difference of Mike Tice compared to Mike Martz as the offensive coordinator. There's, they were calling different plays. They faked running plays. They ran the ball when they needed to run the ball. They threw it on first down, which I love, Coach. Uh, it, was just, it was just as a Bear fan you know, walking away from that win, it was good. I made this comment earlier too, Big Doug. It was, and this this occurred to me driving into the show that the offense the Bears played yesterday that was the Mike Martz offense of the St. Louis Rams under Kurt Warner. That's what they look like. Throwing the ball downfield, using the run as a weapon when they stretched out the defense. That what Mike Marks wanted to do for three years for the Bears, Mike Tice did in his very first game. Uh, they didn't like, you know, you're right in terms of uh, like calling plays in terms of just run or pass. But the the Rams never had any power runs where they were like leading with. Oh my goodness! Let, let, can I bring some up? Just this is to this Sean Rodriguez kid number forty eight. Evan. Evan Rodriguez. Woo. Oh, my. If you want to highlight tight people, I can't wait to watch the second half. I'm about to do that right when I get off the phone and do all this. I have to actually, I have to be at the dock today because Extreme Makeover is filming a show with us. So I'm going to, an extremely hungover person that's staying Bear Down Chicago <laughs> Bear at least 85 times yesterday. What It was a great day, Coach. Uh but well, I have to. So I'm, I'm looking bad, but I do want to. I look like I just got hit by Evan Rodriguez about ten times. Did you watch number forty-eight? What he was doing in the first half? I got a nickname for him. His nickname is Flapjack. Because all he does is pancake people. It was beautiful. I'm, I'm the first one that Matt Forte got more than two yards. Yep. He got bottled up his first couple handoffs. Evan Rodriguez run. Uh, Sean Rodriguez, whatever his name is, runs <laughs> out in front of him. And chop somebody down like a tree. Yep. Everybody explodes. Did you see that block yet? Well, the next play that Forte has, instead of chopping a guy down, he hits the guy right in his jaw and put him right on his back. Did you see that play like immediately after? Nah, possibly not. Coach, 
phenomenal. Also, they got a baller with this Rodriguez kid. Phil Emery, you know, all we ever ask out of our Chicago Bear uh, head office or front office, do things that make sense to make your team better. Everything he did this offseason made sense, but we didn't know the draft. All I know is this, the number one pick, uh, McClellan, was hitting the quarterback yesterday. Yep. He was getting pressure. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey, he is an NFL receiver, period. The third-round pick they traded for Brandon Marshall. Uh, I think that might be a good deal. This Rodriguez kid they got in the fourth round, he's the best fullback the Bears have had in years, and he's not even a fullback. He was a tight end. And by the way, if you want a good fullback, just transfer, just take your tight end and make him a fullback because those are always better uh, athletes. They had a great draft. The only thing that hasn't worked out is the kid that got hurt, that Harden kid. Mm-hmm. Coach, this is, uh, I don't want to go overboard. But all I know is all the excitement that we had going into the season, it continues. This is all I'm saying. It's good to be a Bear fan right now. We do have a couple of texts coming in from uh, apparently members of the Tyler Cuts fan club who are a little bit insulted by your um, ignoring of dearly departed upback Tyler Klutz and your complimenting of his replacement, Evan Rodriguez. Just saying. I, why, don't, why don't we ever get people that actually uh, contact us that actually are happy? <laughs> what can I tell you? If they're sad, it's like anything else, Big Duff. If they're satisfied, they you know leave things as they may. If they're upset, that's when they contact us. Take it as a compliment. At least they're listening to you. But um, uh, now the guy behind him, Matt Forte. You know, everybody's talking about the passing game and how dynamic it was, and it was very exciting. But Matt Forte ran the football, Big Duff, outstanding. Yes. Quick feet yes. made people miss. I thought he was really, really good in a complimentary way. And uh, the great thing about uh, the usage of Matt Forte yesterday is they got him off the field a lot. This is a guy that we need to be uh, making people miss in December and January so the Bears could have a great year. The fact that they did a good job of getting Michael Bush in there as, mu- as much as possible. Yep. Uh, and uh, did you notice how like he- Michael Bush probably played a lot more yesterday in the middle of the field than he will the rest of the season, I think especially next week when they play Green Bay. Mm-hmm. That's kind of a big game. Everybody, if you don't know that. And uh, it's just that was cool. And uh, uh, he has to stay fresh because when that guy is in the Bears' backfield, guess what? When they run that play-action fake, you have to go to it. And next thing you know, Brandon Marshall will be wide, wide open. The health of Matt Forte is key to the Bears going deep this season. Mm-hmm. And the added uh, threat to the passing game is going to make him a much more dangerous running back. Because now, you know, in previous years it was stop Forte first. Yeah. And then defend the passing game. Now if you watch the Bears in game one, clearly you have to take away the downfield passing game. It's going to make Forte a better back. And and if all of a sudden, if you have your exactly right, Coach, and the fact that teams cannot game plan to be like, oh, we have to stop Forte, and if we don't stop Forte, Jay Cutler will be exactly seven yards behind where the center is right now, mm-hmm. looking to throw the ball down the field. No, it isn't that anymore. Not only do you have to stop Forte, you don't know where Cutler's going to He might be three, he might be five, he might be seven, he might actually be rolling out. Mm-hmm. It could be a play-action fake. This isn't, we actually are running a legitimate offense. And it, it was good to actually watch the game yesterday and not know what the Bears were going to do when they were snapping the ball. And I'm not kidding. Normally, I can just, seriously, you should need to watch the game if you want to coach. I feel like, oh, the Bears are doing this. Mm-hmm. And all my, my roommates get, oh, man, they're like, how, I'm sure the rest of the NFL knows what they're doing if you can just pick it out. It yeah. wasn't like that yesterday. There was actually, like, 
what do you think they're going to do on this play? Their formation looks like power run. Oh, it's a play-action pass, and they're swinging it 30 yards down the center of the field to a wide-open Brandon Marshall. It was awesome. Yeah, the, be- uh, the best way, and I remember we put it this way last year, is that uh, in previous years, the opposing team's defensive coordinators, it wasn't an off week when you played the Bears, but it was it was a pretty easy week Yeah, it was. to prepare it was. for the Bear offense. It was pretty simple. Yeah. It was like, okay, uh, if the guard blocks down, it must be a run play. Everyone just run at Matt Forte at mm-hmm. full speed. And, 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 that, and if, if you're new to the show and you're like, why are these guys going so overboard over one win over the Indianapolis Colts. Because we have never seen the Bears play that style of offense. That's why all these really diehard Bear fans are like, do we really have a good offense? It's not like... When Dick Buckus used to say, when he used to run off the field as a defensive player for the Bears, (laughs) he would yell to the offense, hold them! (laughs) Okay? And and coach, I wasn't wasn't alive to know that, that Bears team. But it didn't change <laughs> up until this season. Yeah. For my whole entire life, the defense would yell, hold them to the offense. <laughs> Forget about you scoring. Just don't let the other team uh, score. That's a classic. Okay? And, and then all of a sudden, like we have a team where we're like, they're faking, throwing the ball down the field. Oh, it's yep. third and one, and they can hand it to a power back, and he runs somebody over like old bear football with Michael Bush. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like they have every – and then the, I like, how does a team, Coach, how does a football team with 53 members on it, how do they go from horrid on offense to now could they, they could possibly be one of the top three or four teams? Yeah, in the it is interesting. Can one guy make that much of a difference? The guy I'm talking about is Brandon Marshall, secondarily offensive coordinator Mike Tice, who has never exactly been considered an offensive genius. Let's not kid ourselves, but you're but right. Because you don't have to be a genius to be really effective as a coordinator. That's the thing. Sometimes dumb it down. Just dumb it down. Let's go simple. Punch a dude in the mouth and then throw the ball over his head. It's been part of our programming strategy for the two-plus years we've been on the air here, Big Dog. Dumb it down. And it's worked a lot better for the Bears than it has for us. Take me back a brief moment. By the way, you want to check in, talk to our football expert, the now wide awake and uh, fired up and juiced and ready to go, Big Dog Joel Radwanski. Give him a call, 888 888- Four six three six seven four eight. The phone number. Dog, take me back again. I don't think we got the full gist of this. At the East Bank Club, you got a bunch of football fans. How many people gather together, and what? Give me some of the funny reactions, the things people did in the first series when the Bears laid an egg, to put it mildly. Well, uh, right when I realized that I was not on the water, I was kind of mad. I'm like, guys, you called me in out of nowhere to to, to have me work today. Okay, and uh, you know the one day I get to sleep in is Sunday morning. And, oh, we're sorry. So now you don't even need me. That's fine. I go to East the Club. I sit down. And, and it's pretty cool. Is like at least five people came by me and said, oh, yeah, I'm not at the game because I sold my ticket. Well, I'm not at the game because I don't have season tickets. I really don't care, okay? I'm glad <laughs> you got $1,500 for two seats. Okay. Well, while I'm watching it, you have no, how many people just gave up? Like, I knew it. It's never going to change. And they just walked away. And like, I can't wait to see those people and remind them that it did change. <laughs> okay. And seasons aren't over with 13.50 to go in the first quarter of the first game of the season. And I, I just People were jumping off the bandwagon. But I would say this, Coach. <laughs> my reaction, but while Cutler was throwing the ball that Terrell Farrell uh, picked off number 50 for the Colts yep. and ran and returned it, yep. I swear to you, I screamed no so loud. 
that uh, uh, police were called. They thought I was, something bad was happening to me. That, like, no meant no, like a guy was trying to take advantage of me. I, like, I saw him, he was, no! <laughs> like, some dude jumped, and all of a sudden he looked around, and there was a colt in the end zone. He's like, what happened? The guy didn't even know. That's how quick it was. David Olson, remember, when Jay Cutler attempts to throw it out in the flat, no means no. Thank you very much. Um, hey, well, you know me, Big Doug. I'm, I'm not a big Jay Cutler fan. Personality-wise, or even I think his playing, has been overrated as a Chicago Bear outside of the last four or five games before he got hurt. So when he threw that pass, I'm like, oh, here we go again. Because he has well, been mistake-proof, and that I think is still... Still one of the, uh, the the weak points in the Chicago Bear offense that Cutler can get careless and throw interceptions. But uh, I have to admit, after that one, I'm like, all right. You know, I was already off the Cutler bandwagon, or not on like everybody else was, and that got me further off. But Well, well when people started murmuring and murking and doing all the other like the snarky comments, I, I immediately said, guys, the Colts aren't as bad as you probably think they are. And there's a minute 50 into the game. <laughs> I said that, and then next, I, I swear to you, the same guys that uh, that were all upset after the next drive where they basically continued to throw the ball past the sticks. That, that's nice to see, isn't yes. it? Coach? When yes. When the team throws the ball past the first yes. Kyle <laughs> third, third and 11, and we throw 14 yards. Yeah, it was like, wow, it's wow. really first 11 that you throw it forward. You tell the guy to yep. duck because he's about to get killed. What a unique concept. Ron Turner rolling over in his football grave somewhere. <laughs> I think Ron Turner, I'm not sure, but I thought I saw him coaching third base for the Seattle Mariners this weekend. Oh, no, I think he's destroying the San Jose State uh, program. Right ah. <laughs> That's what it is. Nice guy. Good guy. Love the Turner family, but... Uh, not not a good offensive coordinator. Yes, Dave. He's a uh, quarterback's co- coach for the uh, Buccaneers. There you go. Oh, Josh Freeman. Was that two years in a row or just the first year? Because now we know why Josh Freeman went into the toilet last season. No, this is his first year. He was a uh, quarterback's coach for the Colts last year. How'd that work out for you? <laughs> so he's not working for his brother, Norv, with the San Diego Charger? No, he is not. He is not. Norv is on the bubble for the, what, the fourth consecutive year? But he's hanging. Well, how about, yeah. the, how about yeah. the Redskins right now? Oh, never mind. He's on the Chargers. I forget. Yeah. Well, speaking, of, the, speaking of which, let us do, Big Doug. Now that you mentioned the Redskins, they're included in it. We'll do a little uh, three-minute first of the season. It sounded like early in the show you weren't ready for it, but I got a feeling you're up for it now. Our very first for the 2012 season, NFL round them up and wrap them up. Here we go. The NFL round them up and wrap them up. Game one, big dog last night. I didn't see it, but heard it was pretty good. Denver 31, Pittsburgh 19. Peyton Manning, first game as the Denver Bronco. Four touchdown passes the Bronx over Roethlisberger and the Steelers. I'm pretty sure he only had two touchdown passes. He, he must have had less than four because uh, Ben Roethlisberger had an interception return for a touchdown against him. I, I will tell you this. I always saw the end of the game, Coach. He looked efficient. Uh, uh, Peyton Manning looked awesome, and the people that uh, I was talking to were like, he looked incredible. And I, I'm going to tell you this. I don't care what Peyton Manning's weapons are. He's the best quarterback that has ever walked the earth. Okay, and I don't care if it's Eric Decker and Denario Thomas, whatever the heck those two busters' names are. 
They're going to be all stars <laughs> with uh, all football with Peyton Manning playing. This is the first time in Peyton Manning's career. Not only did he have a good defense, he might have a great defense. The Broncos and the Bears are in a collision course Woo! Super Bowl. Wow. After week one, I in my heart feel that. And I, I predicted the Bears to go to the Super Bowl because of two things. One, because I really know they're good enough. And two, they better win the Super Bowl this year because this team is so freaking old they're going to fall apart. <laughs> well, the, the, after right. week one, the Broncos are the team in the AFC. Not the, not, not the Patriots, it's the Broncos. Uh, I'm not sure I'm ready to annoy them that, but you have set the bar high at our NFL Roundup Wrap-Up. How about that? To lead us off. New York Jets, a lot of people down on the Jets making fun of the whole deal. People thinking maybe they're going to be one of the busters this year. They might be, but not in game one. 48-28 over the Buffalo Bill. Matt Sanchez, solid. Yeah, uh, they they thought they were going to be one of the busters because they scored one offensive touchdown in the preseason, and that was by, like, their ninth string. Well, guess what? The preseason doesn't matter anybody. In the best year the Bears ever had, they were bad in the preseason. The Jets were bad the preseason, and you know what? The Jets were able to score 48 points, and we still haven't seen Kim, the Timmy Cat go out there and hit their, their little special formation where uh, Tebow goes out there and runs everybody, everybody over for a, a series mm-hmm. or two. They scored 48 points without even busting out their trick plays. Yeah, so. T- Tebow was out there. I don't know if they ran the trick stuff. I think he ran five times for 11. So he was out there for five or six plays. But okay. at any rate, next game up, New England Patriots, still one of the odds-on favors to win the – Super Bowl this year, a knockoff Tennessee 34-13. We know about Brady. We know about the receivers. We know about the defense. We didn't know about an unsung running back drafted in the fantasy draft by my son, David Cohn, Stephen Ridley, 125 yards. Uh, this, this Ridley kid never fumbled once when he was at LSU. And if everybody remembers LSU, they ran the most boring offense in the history of college football, and they used to let their defensive special teams win. Well, this kid never fumbled. And all you have to do for the Patriots is run exactly where you're supposed to and not fumble. The fact that he busted off 125, don't expect that consistently. But he is a perfect compliment running back for that team. And that, that, I'm glad you brought that up, Coach. Nice, mm-hmm. nice little addition for the Patriots. One of the better games of the day, not the best played game. One of the more exciting ones, Detroit Lions at home. A lot of enthusiasm, a lot of hope with the Lions this year. Arizona. I'm sorry, the St. Louis Rams, under their new coach, Jeff Fisher, almost took the hook out of all the enthusiasm. They were leading most of the game. Stafford intercepted three times in the first half, but they go 91 yards late, five yards to his running back, Kevin Smith, for the winning touchdown. The Lions pull one out of their rear kazoo, 27-23, big dog. Yeah, and Kevin Smith really has a lot of talent, and uh, he played at Central Florida. He was a really good running back, and he's had a bunch of injuries. Everybody else has hurt Mikel Shore and all their other running backs, Javad Best, Javid Best, whatever his name is. And he got a chance to be the number one guy yesterday. Kevin Smith had a great game. And isn't it funny? It was like people were like, the Rams are playing the Lions tough. And then I had to remind people, Jeff Fisher's their coach. And they're like, oh, okay, they'll be good this year. Uh, the Titans may have made a mistake getting rid of that guy. As no, well. they, they definitely, definitively did. Jeff Fisher, I still think, one of the best coaches. He's the guy I'd like coaching our Chicago Bear. We said that before. Next up in the NFL, round him up and wrap him up. We do it each and every Monday here on the Two Guys in a Mike Show. The Philadelphia Eagles knocking off the Cleveland Browns by a point. Michael Vick chucking it up 56 times. He got intercepted four times, Big Dog, and they still Find a way to win a 90-yard drive at the end. Wild game and a rough start, by the way, for the rookie, Brandon Whedon. Why does uh, why does Andy Fox or Andy Reid 
have to throw the ball so many freaking times. Every he's got LeSean McCoy, he's got other he's got other running backs in the stable there. Fifty six throws for Michael Vick. Oh, that's bad. That's that's really bad, coach. That's not good. And uh now that the Bears are good, I have to root against NFC teams when they play the AFC. Come on, Cleveland, give us a little bit of a help. <laughs> well, they didn't yesterday, but it looks like the Browns, they might be better this year. Speaking of better, how about the Minnesota Vikings? They pull out a wild game. They they find a way to defeat Jacksonville in overtime, 26-23, to 23, the Blair Witch Project. Blair Walsh, their field goal kicker, hits a 55-yarder in regulation to tie it up. Jacksonville had the game one, but the kid hits a 55-yarder, and then he hits one in overtime. Four field goals in the day for the Blair Witch Project, and the Vikings somehow, big dog, find a way to win. No, that's, that's it's pretty impressive. I honestly did not see the Vikings playing that well. And I, I would have to say, Coach, the biggest story in that game was the fact that Adrian Peterson rushes for yep. five yards of carry, and two touchdowns after an ACL reconstru- a knee reconstruction surgery. Yeah. He didn't have. They didn't scope him. They redid his whole freaking knee. And nine months later, he's playing in an NFL game. And by the way, coach, those guys hit pretty hard. Just an ACL. Tape him up. Tape it up and get him out there. They did. Broken clavicle. Pop it back into place. Tape him up. Get him back out there. All right, Washington knocked off New Orleans 40-32 to at New Orleans. First sight loss since 2010 at home, RG3, Robert Griffin the third. Like you said, exhibition season, Big Dog, doesn't mean that much because he didn't look that great in exhibition season. But when the lights were on, when the RFK people were uh, cheering him on, even though it wasn't an RFK, Robert Griffin the third was the best rookie quarterback yesterday. Zero interceptions, 300-plus yards. Coach, he, he made a throw yesterday. That honestly is as good of a throw as you can see in NFL football. He had to throw off his back foot and have all his momentum going backwards so he could avoid the hit that somebody was coming in, the pressure was coming on. And then it's a rocket throw with touch on it that goes right over a linebacker, hit Beer Garcon in stride, and Garcon goes 88 yards for a touchdown. Did you see that throw? Pierre Garcon. I also saw the run. I did see the throw, and that's the kind of throws that he made at Baylor. I didn't watch him a lot, but I watched him enough to say, you know what, this guy special. Do you remember special. when we used to do the beat the schmoes? I was like, you got to take, the, you got to watch yeah. Baylor. They've got a quarterback. They got yeah. a quarterback, and I didn't know he was this good, coach. Yeah. All right, but I knew he was special. I didn't know that he was going to be changed the game type special. Yep, he and, he and Cam Newton, two of the best young quarterbacks to come in the game. Dawg, we got to wrap up early today. Uh, for the fans out there, tell me the TV show you are taping uh, later today, or is it is it uh, privy information? It's extreme makeover, and I actually have to do instructions on the river, someone how to paddle, and this stuff. Uh... Extreme isn't extreme makeover actually a show already, or this is a new show. Like I said, Extreme Makeover is coming out to my uh, kayak company. Oh, I see. Today. Beautiful. And I have to instruct someone on how to kayak Excellent. properly. Excellent. Let us know when we can see it on live TV. Big Dog, uh, we will talk tomorrow. We'll get in some college football tomorrow, okay? I need you. Please, college football. All right. <laughs> have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll do it all over again tomorrow at 10. Don't be late. Two guys at a mic. Signing off. Have a great day.